Greetings, and welcome to the Get Hiking Southeast podcast. I'm Joe Miller, and I'll be leading this adventure. Why me? Why am I at the front of the pack? Well, for the last decade or so, I've been leading hikes and backpack trips in the Southeast, and for nearly three decades, I've been writing about adventure in the region as a newspaper columnist, guidebook author, and as a blogger. Our focus in the Get Hiking Southeast podcast, telling the stories of the hikers and the trails, especially those lesser-known trails in the southeastern United States. Here now the news. A reminder of the difference between national parks and national forests comes from the George Washington and Jefferson National Forests in Virginia. Not in the form of a reminder per se, rather in the form of activities that can happen on national forest land that can't happen on national park land. National parks are all about preservation, about protecting their holdings, about keeping them in their natural state. Minus, of course, the gift shops, the visitor centers, the restaurants, the lodges, the paved roads. National forests, on the other hand, have a multiple-use mandate. Sure, recreation is part of that mandate, but so is, say, logging, the kind of logging that will be going on on Pocahontas Road, a.k.a. Forest Service Road 972, on 65 acres of Peters Mountain in Giles County. The logging is part of a vegetation management program aimed at regenerating oak trees defoliated by the invasive spongy moth. Another mandate? Installing communication towers, such as the one going up at White Top Mountain that will cause an increase in truck traffic on White Top Mountain Road, a.k.a. Forest Road 89, into July. Some road closures may occur during this time. And this concludes today's Public Lands PSA. The longest rubber-bearing trail in the United States opened June 3rd at Tennessee's T.O. Fuller State Park. Rubber-bearing, you inquire? Indeed. The 2.5-mile multi-use trail, that's multi-use as in hiking and biking, is made from rubber crumbs made of tires. Tires crumbed by Patriot Tire Recycling in Bristol, Tennessee. This is pretty cool. The tires, and about 24,000 of them, had been dumped around the park and were gathered by volunteers and local contractors, then shipped to Patriot, where they were reduced to crumbs a quarter inch to three quarters of an inch in size. Kudos to the 450 volunteers involved, because fetching used tires out of the, wood, out of the woods is a dirty and tiring job. Often the tires are filled with dirt or water, or a combination thereof, and often they are a breeding ground for some of our less than desirable pests. The project was funded by about three quarters of a million dollars in state and federal grant money. T.O. Fuller State Park is in Memphis. And that is the news for this week. Today we share 10 bits of advice primarily for folks 50 and older who are interested in getting into hiking, as well as for established older hikers who want to continue hiking late into life. It's taken from a lunch with Get Hiking Zoom session on June 2nd. Greetings, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. And thanks for dropping in. We've got some people who are continuing to pop in. It's, um, it's about noon, a little bit after. So we're going to go ahead and we'll get started. Um, so as you can plainly see, I am well qualified to address the topic of today, which is tips for hikers 
um, tips for older hikers. I was going to say hikers 65 and up, but that would be revealing a little too much, I'm afraid. So anyway, we're looking today um, just at some things to keep in mind for those of us who are um, generally over 50. I would say that a lot of these tips for some people won't kick in until about 60, and that's just based on personal experience. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're all different. So, but there are good things to keep in mind anyway. They're, they're fairly general. And um, at the end, I will, um, I'll have a, a list of resources and a, um, a synopsis of what we've discussed today that is on Google Docs. And I will put the link up um, at your meetup site. So we will go ahead and get started. So again, our, our topic today, 10 tips for hikers 50 and up which if you're joining us from one of the meetup groups, which I'm guessing that most of you are, uh, you'll, you've probably noticed on your hikes that the majority of people who are doing our hikes are generally older than 50, many older than 60, and um, several 70 and up. So I think these are things that some of you may know, but we're just gonna, we'll review them anyway, just in case. So quick look at demographics for hiking in general. It is the second most popular outdoor activity. Uh, it's got 57.8 million participants. That participant number is, uh, I believe that just covers, I think that covers people who have done it at least once in the last year. These are figures from the Outdoor Industry Association. Um, so, 19% of Americans hike. It is the most popular outdoor activity for ages 35 to 54. Of the 45 to 54 set, 14% hike. And these are, this is general population. 55 to 64, 12% hike. And of 65 and over, 10% hike. So as, as you probably already realize, uh, this is something that, uh, it's an activity that you can do pretty much for the rest of your life. Um, and that's one of the things that's so attractive about it. So our goal here today is to kind of keep you being able to do this for the rest of your hike with a couple of, with 10 quick suggestions. Um, the hiking population in general, 46% is female, 54% is male. And I do not think that's reflected on most of our meetup hikes. I would say that it's probably closer to 65 to 70% female um, and maybe a third male. It depends on the hike, but in general, that's what I've seen. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm gonna start with the main uh, recommendation that I can make, and that is to use trekking poles. Um, I think for a long time, there was a stigma associated with trekking poles um, that it signified that you were somehow weak. Uh, I think that a lot of us get past that pretty quickly once we've tried them because they make such an incredible difference. They're great for uh, maintaining balance if you're on rocky and rooty terrain and you know how many of the trails that we do are actually smooth and even, you know, very few. So poles come in, extremely handy on most of the trails that we do. And they're great for stream crossings. It's, it's so easy to go down on a stream crossing, especially if you're on a bright day and you can't quite tell. 
I mean, you, you look down into the water, there's glare, you can't really see where you're going. Um, they're just, they're really good for maintaining balance across the streams. Another huge benefit, and this is, this is the one that got me onto poles, is that they relieve the pressure on your knees, especially on downhills. They serve as, as wonderful brakes. Uh, one statistic says they can save the pressure on your knees up to 25%. That has a lot to do with whether you're using them appropriately. And that's um, uh, when you're going downhill, if it's a prolonged downhill, you might wanna lengthen your poles a little bit but you always wanna keep them out in front of you. The poles hit first, then you step. And that's, that's the way to take the best advantage of um, hiking down hills with poles. They're also a big plus going uphill. Um, and the other great thing about that, going uphill especially, is that it gets your whole body involved. It gets your upper body, your arms. Um, they're playing a key role in getting you up the hill. And it's just, um, they're just really helpful in so many ways. So <clears throat> if you haven't used poles and you're pole curious, um, a lot of times the, your hike leader will have an extra set that, um, that you can borrow. So don't be afraid to ask if, uh, if they do have an extra set and see if you can borrow them. Second tip, don't hike alone. Now, <clears throat> I... <laughs> I'm the first to admit that I, I blow this rule frequently, but it is, it's a good rule. Um, one of the problems that you run into is uh, if you're hiking alone and you get an injury, even a fairly common um, injury and something that doesn't seem all that severe, like a twisted ankle. Um, you know, when I was younger, I could usually hobble out if I had some sort of a small injury like that, say a, a twisted ankle, it was fairly easy to, to hobble out. That's not so much the case anymore. Um, you're also more likely to have medical issues. I say that not everybody is. Um, I mean, if, if you've got some medical issues going on already and, and they flare up when you're out on the trail and nobody's around, they can be big trouble. You're also more likely to suffer from uh, the cold uh, or the heat. And, and if you're out there and you start to get hypothermic or you start to uh, have heat exhaustion, if you're with somebody, they're going to flag it. Um, you're usually the last to acknowledge that you're having trouble. But if you're with someone, they're likely to say, hey, let's, especially like right now, they're more likely to say, you know what, let's, um, let's take a break. Um, let's make sure we're drinking. And it's just, it's good to have that influence. It is also good to have somebody else with you if you suddenly discover you don't know where you are because two heads generally are better than one at trying to figure out where you might've gotten off the trail, where you need to head. Um, and again, this is assuming that you have some sort of a map, um, a paper map possibly, but more likely um, an app and being able to figure out with two people, especially if you feel like you're lost, if you're alone, that can add to the, the anxiety and the pressure, which keeps you from being able to think quite as clearly as, as you'd like. So two heads better than one. Um, and the other thing is, even uh, if you're hiking with other people, you wanna hike with some sort of a communications device that works with GPS. 
And, and this would primarily be on mountain hikes and on hikes where you might not have a cell signal. So a spot, a Zolio, an inReach, anything that works on GPS, where if you need to, you can get out um, an emergency message to seek help. Drink. This could go first. Um, hydration is always pop, uh, um, a key issue. It's especially important right now as we head into summer. And it's especially important for older hikers because we tend to get dehydrated more easily. And I'm not just making this up. This is in part from the National Council on Aging and a couple other sources, but, but we do tend to get um, dehydrated. And this I didn't realize, but apparently we're less inclined to wanna to drink. And I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind to just sort of override your tendency to not wanna drink. Um, if you're on any kind of medication, a lot of those medications increase that dehydration. Um, that should either be on the label or perhaps a physician or a pharmacist went over that with you when you got the, the medication. Um, a general rule of thumb, this is from the National Council on Aging. If you take a third of your body weight, um, that is the number of ounces you should drink in a day. And that's just general um, a, a typical day that does not take into account being out on the trail on a 80 degree day and exerting yourself and sweating and, and losing, um, uh, losing water through uh, perspiration. Really, it's just drink as much as you can. And that's why it's a good idea to use a, a hydration bladder. Um, you've got that tube right in front of your mouth. You really don't have to think about it. The other thing about bottles, a lot of the day packs that we have, um, you know, I, <laughs> you have to hike with another person in order to get the, the water bottle out and or to get it back into the pocket because a lot of them are just so hard to get in and out of. So another great reason that you should have, um, that you should use a hydration bladder. You also need to eat. Um, we burn a lot of, of calories hiking. Um, you know what, again, it varies from person to person, but one example, if you're a 175 pound person, you're hiking five miles in two hours, you're burning about 865 calories. And that's, you know, that's significantly more than you would be burning in just day-to-day -day life. I think um, the average calorie consumption per day is somewhere between uh, 1,800 and 2,500 calories. And that, you know, is depending on, um, uh, a lot of that depends on sex, but it also depends on, you know, your size and some other factors, but 865 calories, pretty significant. So um, eat and also eat what you're inclined to eat, provided it's got some nutritional value and, and fuel um, by eat what you're inclined to eat. That means don't take something that somebody said, oh, this will be good for you it's not tasty and you're not inclined to want to take a, a break and eat it. Um, you can get calories out of a lot of things that are pretty tasty. Nuts and seeds are probably at the top of the list. The other advantage to those is that um, they're lightweight and they're packed with, um, they're packed with protein. Um, obviously, if you have something like diverticulitis or any kind of a food allergy against certain nuts and seeds, you won't want to do that, but it's, it's kind of a good um, first step, but eating along the way, a lot of people think oh, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna 
hike five miles in two hours, I'm going to burn 865 calories and I'm going to lose a couple pounds this weekend. It's not a good approach to, to take. So just be sure to eat while you're on the trail. You also want to be sure to use sunscreen. So according to the American Society for Photobiology, which I did not realize existed until I started researching this, there are um, about 23% of the damage to your skin is done by the time you're 18, which kind of makes sense because that's when you know, you're hanging out at the pool and you don't really think so much about protecting your skin or putting on sunscreen because basically you're invincible at that age. So um, granted a fair amount of the skin, uh, skin damage is done by the time you're 18, but you can still uh, protect yourself either with sunscreen or with um, UV treated clothing that will keep out um, a good deal of um, the harmful ultraviolet rays. Also, as you've probably noticed, your skin starts to thin out a little bit more as you age, which makes it you more susceptible to skin damage. So, you know, the more you can do to protect your skin, especially if you're out um, like on a mountain hike, you're in an exposed area, you're going through a meadow or uh, across a, a bald, um, anything you can do to protect yourself uh, is good. You know, UV rays are a little stronger with elevation. Um, so long sleeve treated clothing, a wide brimmed hat, anything along those lines, along with sunscreen is a pretty good option. You also want to keep a closer eye on the weather. Now, I'm sure a lot of us have great stories from when we were younger about getting caught in, um, in extreme weather, maybe a snowstorm or a thunderstorm. Um, it, it, makes for, <clears throat> it makes for a good story, but um, as you get older, you're a little less likely to bounce back. Um, again, hypothermia and heat exhaustion um, are, are a lot more of a problem. Um, you know, right now, as we head into summer, especially with heat exhaustion, we've done hikes the last two nights uh, and it was 90 degrees. And we just, we took it easy. We did shorter hikes. We did less challenging hikes and we stopped frequently and I made sure everybody was drinking. So, you know, you want to keep an eye on the weather this time of year too, because this is when thunderstorms start popping up and you can check the forecast. You can get a pretty good idea of the likelihood of a storm moving through. You can check the radar before you head out and you can see what's coming. But really right now, a lot of these storms that are heat related, they can pop up out of nowhere um, and not be reflected in the forecast or also not be reflected on the radar, um, you know, more than maybe 10, 15 minutes out. So obviously the, the best, um, one of the best things you can do is just keep an eye on the sky keep an ear open for any thunder that you might hear in the distance. Granted, we're on a lot of trails that have pretty deep canopy and uh, it's hard to keep an eye on what's going on up there, but just be cognizant of, of um, the sky and, um, you know, pick up in wind could be an indication of a storm coming through. So just be alert, pay more attention to the weather. You also wanna be physically prepared more so than any time in your, in your life up to now. Um, <clears throat> you want to be honest about your capabilities. Um, <clears throat> if you're going out on a hike that's, uh, that's advertised as, you know, five miles strenuous, make sure that you've done a hike 
of that length that you would consider strenuous, you know, within the last month, two months. Um, you don't want to get into a group hike situation where uh, they have, they don't have a no drop policy, which, you know, a lot of hikes do. They expect that if they post the distance and the pace, that if you're signing up for the hike, that you're going to be able to do that. And if you can't, and they don't have a sweep, then, you know, you're on your own. And if it's a trail you haven't done before, um, that can be trouble. So, you know, be, be honest with yourself about your capabilities. And remember too, that your body's less resilient with age. You get injured. It's going to take you longer to recover. It's harder to recover. Um, so the last thing you want to do is go out and do something that it's going to take you six months off the trail to recover from. So just be aware of, of your physical preparation. The fellow in the picture here is Mike Owen. He is a, a fellow that I met in 2012. I was coaching. Um, there's a, a, several of these programs, but this, this one was called The Ultimate Hike. And it was a fundraiser for uh, Cure Search for Children's Cancer. And Mike was in this group. I think he was 65 at the time. And um, he had this incredible uh, training ethic. And I worked with him for about three years. He's continued to go on. He does um, at least three of these hikes every year. And these hikes are generally, the fundraising hike is usually between 25 and 30 miles. And that's in one day. And uh, I think he may hold the record for having done the most for this particular program, but <clears throat> he's out every day. I follow him on Facebook. He posts, he's out doing five to 10 mile hikes. He makes darn sure that he's prepared for these long hikes and it's paid off um, because he's still able to do them. I think he's, um, I think he's in his early seventies now, but still going real strong. Um, Medications, if you are any kind of medication, just make sure that you're aware of any side effects it might have. A lot of them, again, do increase dehydration. Some of them suppress appetite. Some of them make you, um, some of them don't respond well to being in sunlight. And some of them uh, don't respond well to your um, pushing yourself physically. So, you know, be aware of what you're already on. And, it's, and when you change medications, make sure that you, <clears throat> um, or get on a new medication, make sure that uh, your physician or your pharmacist is aware of your level of activity and that the medication is going to work with um, what you like to do. And they may have recommendations for what you need to do to make it a little bit more copacetic with what you're doing. The other thing is when you go on a new medication, <clears throat> if you're used to doing 10 mile hikes, I wouldn't start out doing a 10 mile hike on a new medication. I would basically uh, take the medication and maybe go out for two to three miles just to see if it's going to work. Um, so break it in. Number nine, <laughs> think twice about going under the rope. Going under the rope is actually a ski term and it refers to going on trails that are closed. Um, our version of that would be going off trail, which uh, I like to do quite a bit. Um, it's definitely a time when you don't wanna be going uh, alone, but if you're gonna go off trail, make darn sure you're with people. Um, 
Because once you're off trail, say you're at a, hiking at a state park and your car is still there when uh, the gate closes, they're going to launch a search for you. And they're going to be looking at the trails that span out from that trailhead. Um, and they'll kind of continue fanning out from there. If you're not on any of those trails, they have no idea where you are. Um, so it's much harder to find you if, if you happen to go onto this terrain, which is much less secure to begin with. Um, one of the biggest obstacles, I mean, there's down trees, there's dense leaf cover. Um, and a lot of that leaf cover will hide uh, root ball holes where trees came out, you know, years ago, and it leaves a hole that's, you know, even just a foot deep, if you step into it, uh, you can, you can break a bone, you can sprain an ankle. Um, and even if you do have a communication <clears throat> device, if you're off trail somewhere, it can be really hard to explain where exactly you are to, um, to rescuers. So, um, all things to keep in mind uh, if you plan to go off trail. Again, if you are going off trail, I would go with somebody who knows the area really well. Um, and also hiking at night. We do a lot of night hiking, especially in summer because it's cooler. Make sure you're with uh, somebody who is comfortable night hiking, who's done it before, and make sure that you're doing a trail that you have done during the daylight. Um, granted, it's not going to look the same as it is in daylight, but you will recognize certain landmarks, which will help you if you think you might be getting lost. Um, and finally, take a slower pace, take more breaks. The slower pace, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, we don't have any control over that. We're just going to be slowing down anyway. That can change if you're in a on a group hike and you're dealing with, uh, it's a mixed group and you've got some really fast people in it, try to resist the urge to keep up if, if it's not working for you. Um, and besides, you know, we're out there for a number of reasons. One, one is to socialize and another one is to enjoy the scenery and um, just leave a little bit more time to be out there. Don't worry about getting done quite as quickly as, as you might have younger. Um, and a tip that I picked up from this guy, the hiking reverend, the hiking rev, who is on YouTube, he recommends taking 10 minute breaks every two hours and then taking a, ha a half an hour for lunch. And that's actually, I think, a really good idea. I, d I don't necessarily do or haven't done that, but I think that's something that I might take into, into consideration you're on a long hike in the mountains, a 10 minute break every two hours is not that much, but it can make a big difference. Um, if you stop, you make sure you drink, you eat something, maybe you take your boots off, maybe you stick your feet in the stream, um, you take your bandana, dip it in the stream, pull off your neck. I mean, it's just taking a break is, can be rejuvenating in a number of different ways. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna, um, we're gonna let Austin from Great Outdoor Provision Company is gonna tell us about two shoes that are especially good for, uh, for older hikers. And we'll be back in about two, uh, two minutes and 46 seconds. Hi friends, this is Austin here, Great Outdoor Provision Raleigh, bringing another Gear Talk with Trusty video. Uh, today we're gonna to be talking about footwear for our over 50 customers to help feature the over 50 hiking, put on by guest hiking, get going in North Carolina. 
Option we've got here, just fresh from the shop, is the new Hoka Speed Goat 5. And the women's and the men's, Hoka has done an incredible job with updating these shoes to the Vibro outsole on the bottom, good tread, high function EBA on the bottom with the mega grip that contours directly to whatever surface that you're on. With over two inches of cushion in there, it, it feels like you're walking on a cloud. Back's been brought up more to support for the, the back of your heel to give you a little bit more mobility, but also a little bit more an insole that's made out of five function EVA with the pressure points of your foot. They have a wrinkle contour to help with your step. Great option here, retail for 155 pair. Move over here. Uh, it was in the shop from Oboes, so we've got the Sawtooth X Mid. Both are V-Drive boots, which is Oboes waterproofing technology. Uh, great little options here. So you have the Corridura uh, fabric, highest grade leather uh, that's out there that's available for any company to buy. Flat laces that have been updated, and then all of Oboes footwears come with an aftermarket insole. On the bottom, so high and rigid arch support. We actually sell these uh, separate here in the shop uh, for those that are are looking for something to put in any hiking boot. Highly recommend. This is called their O-Fit insole. So the new Sawtooth X has a, a higher grade EVA on the bottom. Big lugs to help you keep that traction. The sides are rounded to help you on an uneven surface, so your foot doesn't roll straight over and get caught on a sharp edge, but it it gently rolls onto that category. As always, if you have any, any questions, please come and see us. Thanks. All righty. Uh, two quick adds to that. Those oboes, those insoles, they can extend the life of your shoe and and make it not only more comfortable but more supportive um i've been getting those and using them they make a big difference and they'll fit into just about any shoe and the hoka speed goat uh it's intended as a trail running shoe i've been using them for about three years and they do that cushion at first i thought that was going to make it feel unstable it doesn't um but it does do a great job of kind of insulating you from the impact of rocks and roots on the trail. Okay, so as I mentioned, we're gonna we have some resources. I'm gonna I've got a handout. It's available um, through Google Docs, and I'm gonna post the link on your Meetup site um, at the end of this session. If you didn't join us through Meetup, um, let me know, and I can I can email it to you. Um, <coughs> It basically includes what we've gone over today. There are a couple other um, resources, uh, a couple of uh, YouTube channels, the Hiking Rev, who I mentioned. Uh, American Hiking Society is a great resource for hiking information. <clears throat> and then we'll also have some information about some uh, programs that we've got that are specifically geared to hikers 50 and older. 
summer programs that hike in the evening when it's a little bit cooler and in the morning before it's had a chance to heat up. So that is what we've got to say for this week. Um, if you have any questions, I'd be glad to answer them. I see that um, there was a, a chat question about recorded past Zoom events. We do have some of those and I will um, put up in your meetup site how you can, you can access those. So if anybody has any questions, if you don't have a question now, but you think of one, feel free to email me. I'm at joe at getgoingnc.com. Um, or if you have any thoughts about um, things that have worked for you, if you're an older hiker, be glad to hear that as well. So if we have no questions, thanks for joining us. And I will put that link up momentarily. It'll take a minute because we've got uh, seven meetup groups. So I'll go in and plug it in. Um, but within 10 minutes, you all should have that link. So okay. thanks again. Wait a minute, Joe. So um, in terms of getting more information on the Wednesday evening uh, hike, would you just look at the Get Hiking meetup site? Yeah, there's uh, if you, well, actually in this link that I'll be sharing, um, it will have a link to the Wednesday evening hike. And um, so you can get it there. And uh, yeah, if you go to the getgoingnc.com website, click on explore with us, you can find it under there as one of the programs. Okay, thank you. You bet. Okay, well, again, thanks so much. We had a good group today and I will get that link up to you shortly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's our show for this week. I hope you liked it and that you'll be back. In the meantime, a reminder that the Get Hiking Southeast podcast is a part of the Get Hiking and Get Backpacking universe, where instead of just telling you about great places to go, we take you there. To learn about everything we do and every place we go, go to getgoingnc.com and click on Explore With Us. One place we are going this summer is North Carolina's high country to explore three sections of the statewide mountains to sea trail. For three weekends, we will hike the MST in June in the Dotton Park area, in July in the Graveyard Fields Mount Pisgah area, and in September, the area below Grandfather Mountain and near Price and Trout Lakes. Each weekend includes camping and meals, about 20 miles of hiking. And for you backpackers, we've got a trip in July to the Fires Creek area of the Nanahala National Forest, a trip that includes a trip planning component. So if you've always been dependent upon others to plan your trips and take you where they want to go, this could be just what you need. Again, you can find out more about these adventures and others at getgoingnc.com. Click on Explore With Us. If you like what we're doing here at the Get Hiking Southeast podcast, please do leave a review with a podcast vendor from whom you receive this weekly communication. And if you don't like it, or if you have some constructive criticism or perhaps a topic for an upcoming episode, drop us a line at joe at getgoingnc.com. Until we meet again, get out and explore. <laughs>